Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking about you and your business. Always love having you on the program. General Jeffrey shows her. He is a, a long-time regular on the program, a recurring guest that we love to talk to about leadership, about uh, the military, about national security issues, and foreign policy. He's phenomenal on all those fronts. Uh, he served, in, he was a major general. He was actually in charge of the uh, Afghanistan operations uh, for a significant period, and uh, his book on leadership is phenomenal, regardless of your background or interests or in the military. If you're simply interested in being a good leader, his book is so helpful. Uh, General, always glad to have you on the program. A little bit about your book and also your website where we can get more information. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me back on the show, uh, Kevin. So the book is Marathon War, Leadership in Combat in Afghanistan. Uh, you know, my leadership uh, – uh, during chaotic times in Afghanistan, 2008 and 2009, 30,000 soldiers, sailors, Marines, and airmen. Uh, applies a lot to a lot of uh, leadership these days. You know, chaos is always hard to lead, whether it's in business or politics or wherever. Uh, website is J-E-F-F-S-C-H-L-O-E-S-S-E-R.com. And thanks for allowing me to plug the book. Yeah, always love it. Let's talk about what's going on in uh, China. China's, uh, you know, China is so... Huge, and not only geographically and uh, population-wise, but in terms of its impact on so many different levels, uh, social, political, economic, and, uh, and really in the uh, entanglement department, it's become a major player. It's interested in the rest of the world in a way it never has been. And uh, in places that we really don't want them to be interested, you know, and you and I were talking about this during the break, uh, the way they're looking at places like uh, in South America and Central America and uh, those regions. You know, I think a lot about from 1976 to 1980, 13 countries um, essentially fell to uh, the Soviet Union, 13 countries. People say, what? What are you talking about? These are countries that had always described themselves as non-aligned that had become nothing more than uh, proxy players for the Soviet Union. You, you could, I, I guess the best example was probably Nicaragua. Uh, but these were all over the place. And it looks to me like China is taking a similar approach. Yeah, there's a lot in the press, you know, Kevin, as you know, about, uh, you know, the, the eavesdropping sites or the spying sites uh, that, uh, uh, you know, were uh, talked about as far as in the Wall Street Journal just uh, in the last week, uh, you know, China site inside of Cuba. Turns out that the U.S. has known about this thing since 2019. And, and, and it's to be expected that competitors try to spy and listen to each other, uh, you know, around the world. We do the same, uh, you know, on China as well as uh, Russia and others. What is more interesting to us, I think, and it has a great application to business as well as, you know, to our public, is uh, this kind of encirclement that you're referring to that occurred, you know, in the Cold War with the Soviet Union and East, uh, East Europe. And now you, you've got, you fast forward to China in South America and Latin America, you know, uh, absolutely fascinating. I think most of our audience knows and has heard about the, the Chinese Belt and Road Initiative, which is a way of investing in uh, countries. And uh, when they can't pay back with these huge billion dollar loans uh, or infrastructure build, then China tightens the screws. And, uh, you, you know, I was taking a look at what's happening in South America, as, are, as is well, a lot of uh, politicians and military leaders. And, you know, you've got like seven or eight countries down there, Ecuador, Bolivia, Peru, Venezuela, obviously, Chile, 
Uruguay, Argentina are all part of this uh, Belt Initiative. They owe China a lot of money now, billions and billions of dollars for the investments being made. And I think the biggest question for the audience is, is why is China doing this? Yeah. Well, obviously, they're very altruistic. <laughs> I can't say that without laughing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, they don't do, this is the thing that frankly impresses me about China. Uh, you know, we act like Santa Claus often without any hook. China doesn't sneeze unless there's a strategic advantage to him in doing that. So obviously it has strategic play, and it's so sad for me to hear you mention Chile in that list, and I'm familiar with the fact that they are now under uh, China's thumb. You know, Chile has, has been a phenomenal economic powerhouse in the Western Hemisphere and uh, had, had, has done so much towards not only uh, transforming, transforming the economy, but the quality of life for people. Yes, I know about the dark period uh, under Pinochet, but uh, it's not that same um, uh, chilly. But, you know, I see that, that the socialists are, are shaking the cages there, much more interest in that. There was a, a time not that long ago where uh, Chile would have been an interesting place to move to. Now it's just become terrifying again. So, yeah, so I think obviously it's strategic, right? Yeah, so exactly. I mean, you know, getting back to uh, your point, you know, why Chile? Well, Chile is one of the largest producers of lithium uh, in the world. What's, the, you know, what's lithium for? It's, it's for all those Teslas and all those other, uh, you know, EV cars. Uh, you know, nothing against that, but it requires great battery power, and, and uh, lithium is, is part and parcel of that. Chile is one of the large, largest producers, and guess what? China is the second largest shareholder in the Chilean, uh, Chilean uh, lithium mines. So just think mm -hmm. about that. Uh, you know, a lot of this has to do with more politics and mil minerals, uh, min you know, military st strategy. But the baseline, the foundation of this is also set, you know, for mineral rights, rare earths, things of that nature. You know, we always think all that stuff is done in China. Actually, they're reaching out around the world, and South America is a key place. I mean, it's absolutely critical. They've invested, uh, you know, I was just looking up, they put $16 billion into uh, South America's li uh, lithium triangle, which is not only Chile, it's uh, also Argentina and Bolivia. Uh, there's billions of other dollars being put in to for iron, copper, things of that nature. Um, you know, they are very, very adroit at thinking ahead and saying, what do we need in the next 50 to 60 years? And then going ahead and settling accounts, starting accounts now and, uh, you know, doing the influence thing around the world. And like I said, Chile was a, on a completely different pathway. Now it's kind of unusual, but it's a, it's a close alignment, uh, at least in this sector, with uh, China. Yeah, very strange. And your elections have, I think, lent to that, uh, much more revolutionary, much more uh, leftist uh, elections in recent years in Chile. So, you know, you know how that goes. It, it, uh, <laughs> elections are really important, so we're seeing that there. And, you know, one of the things you mentioned that I'm not an advocate of totalitarianism, but one of the advantages that totalitarians have is the ability to think in terms of 50 or 60 years. That, that's the luxury of, of, that China has that, frankly, uh, the West doesn't have. They, we have to have immediate results because our leaders are running on a two-, four-, or six-year election cycle. 
And uh, yeah. yes, it's very important for them to be accountable. Yes, uh, we need to see uh, things uh, they make a difference. But if you're if you sit there and you go, wow, how do we get a thirty-three trillion dollar debt? Well, one of the reasons why is because we've got uh, political leaders that have to pay voters now even at the expense of people who can't vote in the future. That's just one of, uh, of the examples of the short-sightedness effect that, uh, frankly, we're slaves to. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, what I would wish is, you know, all those elections, you know, all those people that are being elected in either two- or six-year cycles ought to take a hard look at our history. And I think it was, uh, you know, President James Monroe who had the Monroe Doctrine that uh, referenced uh, the Western Hemisphere and, you know, the the, net, the absolute military and, and economic and uh, social requirements to uh, try to maintain our influence in the Western Hemisphere and not allow competitors and potentially others who would uh, want to fight us to uh, get in this hemisphere in a significant way. We've not done so well in the last 10 years against, uh, certainly against China. You know, we, uh, we all, most of our folks are probably familiar with the uh, uh, Cuban Missile Crisis uh, but it was one way, effective way to uh, try to reduce that capability of the Soviet Union to, in fact, encircle us right off our shore. We're going to have to take a hard look at, uh, you know, the Chinese and what they're trying to do in South America, Latin America, and uh, think about, you know, how are we going to counter that? What are we going to do to ensure that we have, you know, a predominance of uh, uh, influence uh, in our own hemisphere? Yeah, absolutely. And uh Really, the the time is now. I I just look at Congress in general, both part parties, uh, and am just aghast on uh, how unfamiliar they are with the history of our country and history of what has worked and what hasn't worked. Um, this uh, extreme ostrich type approach on the G, on the GOP side is shocking. And yes, we do not need to be the world's policemen. Frankly, the world doesn't want it, and they end up resenting us for it. Um, but uh, we, uh, again, that, that uh, very lonely third way you and I keep talking about between extreme views of isolationism to the max to uh, the U.S. being the world's police force. There's a third way between there, and it is hard to get. It is extremely nuanced, even more so than a lot of domestic and economic policy issues. But that's the ways we should be pursuing, and it's really hard to come by, General. Yeah, no, I'm. You know, I mean, I, it's so easy, you know, to say, you know, we need to concentrate just on America. But I mean, you know, if we go back to prior to World War One, America was just a second-rate power, and uh, we don't like to think of it that way. But in fact, that's the truth. And it wasn't until after until World War Two that we actually became the superpower, a superpower. You know, I don't think America would be happy. And, and our citizens going back to where basically, you know, our our influence, uh, whether it's economic influence or, you know, military influence or it's actually the social influence that we, uh, cultural influence that we have in the world, if we became a second-rate or even a third-rate country in that, I don't think Americans would be happy at that. Is 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 this all expensive to be a world's leader? Yes. Is it worth it? I would say yes. In the balance, yes. And what it looks like, you know, maybe a little different than, uh, I would say it does look different than the way we've done it. But, uh, yeah, the world um, on, a, on its own in the, in the net, we are a positive in that respect. And uh, we can't just advocate that. And you just look at major uh, wars um, you know, <laughs> that, that have taken place. And uh, so often of them, they were provoked by 
isolationist tendencies. Certainly World War II yeah. was. Yeah, absolutely. Some, some could make the same argument about World War One as well. And uh, so let's not do the well, same thing. Well, look how long it took before we World finally War. got in. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. Except, yeah, there's no doubt yeah, about absolutely. it. So we don't need to repeat that. We we can't be isolationists now. But that that certainly isn't GOP's general stance. I think you're you're you know you're gonna yeah that that was common in the Democrats. Um, but I it's still weird, right? Because on the one hand, they're all they're they're both very uh, very uh, isolationist, and then on the other hand, there's this weird neoconservative streak. You particularly see that in a lot of uh, Biden's action. I just scratch my head. There's a lack of consistency, a lot of confusion. Very strange. General, as always, love having you on. I don't know if we've solved any problems, but I do think we help raise awareness that what we're seeing is a playbook unfold that's very similar, uh, that China's unfolding, that's very similar to the Soviet Union uh, did in the 1970s. I encourage people to look at uh, uh, the many countries that essentially, for all practical purposes, fell to communism uh, without, uh, you know, formally doing it. Uh, they didn't need the substance, uh, the style of that. They just needed the substance, and that was the case. Thirteen countries. Um, I think that uh, we would uh, could learn from that today because it doesn't. How does that affect us? You gave a great example with Chile and lithium. You know that was one of the reasons why uh, Africa was uh, uh, Russia, Soviet Union was so obsessed with South Africa. Sure, the human rights policies are terrible, but the you know what the Soviets wanted to do is make horrible human rights for everyone, not just for blacks. Uh, but you, you and I both know that the precious metals that came out of uh, South Africa uh, and, and it having, in fact, about uh, 90% of certain precious metals that are crucial for military uh, uh, things, particularly airplanes. It was, it was uh, one of the most important places for that, and uh, I think over 80%. Uh, and, of course, all of that, is that's those are the reasons, and human rights was the excuse, and that kind of kind of chess playing, they're really good at because they do play long term. Us not so much. Uh, we end up being reactors. Final thoughts as we wrap it up. Well, I just think that you know all of us American citizens and stuff like that, we really need to pay attention to things like this. It can seem kind of esoteric, you know, it's off our shores. shores. We don't need to uh, worry about it. Like you said, we cannot be ostriches. We have got to be the eagles out there. So uh, today's the Army birthday, by the way. So celebrations to uh, all those soldiers that uh, serve our nation uh, out uh, to keep us free. Absolutely. As always, thanks so much for your time, General uh, General Jeffrey Schlozer. He's retired, but he sure keeps involved and interested in, in uh, all the stuff affecting our, our nation today. And we love having you as a resource. I am Kevin Price. This is the nationally syndicated price of business.